Hey, this is Last Coffee House. We are talking about art today. Do you love art? Do you hate art? Do you love artists? Do you hate artists? We're talking about where those lines are or should be. As a springboard for this particular topic, we're talking about an article called Love the Art, Hate the Artist, How to Approach the Art of Disgraced Artists. It's by Ian Halliday, published January 3rd, 2020. So the article, it talks about a former curator, Sarah Erist Green, who specifically, she explores art and art history through, like, the lens of the present. For purposes of our discussion here, we're just talking about the artists, and artists who are flawed or horrible, and create art, and whether we should be supporting it or idolizing it, or what we should do with it. That's the big question. So the the former curator, as explained by the article's author, specifically references Hannah Gadsby, the anti-comedian, if anybody's seen that. I watched, I can't even remember if I finished, I know I watched watched at least 45 minutes of it. It was the least meritorious comedy special I've ever seen. <laughs> it was truly the anti-comedy, and if that was the point, then I could give it props for that. But otherwise, I mean, it's just emblematic of where we are and what this whole issue is about when it comes to it being more about the identity and whether it comports with whatever your political outlook is rather than the actual merits of whether it's funny or well-made or creative or anything like that. So anyway, but this author references Hannah Gatsby, who talked about how she hated Picasso. She said something about how I should be more generous because he suffered a mental illness, but we were sold, he was sold to us as a passionate, tormented genius, but Picasso suffered the mental illness, dot, 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 of misogyny. And, Jesus. So, quoting Picasso, she says that he says, each time I leave a woman, I should burn her, destroy the woman, you destroy the past she represents. And I just, I mean, if he was gay, then would... (laughs) and said the same thing, or would it still be misogyny? It's an artistic thing an artist says. He, if he actually went out and burned women, then condemn the act of burning women. It's it's pretty simple. But apparently he had underage, and as far as I know, these things are true. I'm not questioning the, the validity of truth of these things, but that's not the question. He had relationships with underage girls, and Gatsby specifically says, does it matter? It actually does matter that these are the case. So the author comes back and talks about uh, Guernica, his, you know, probably... I I mean, it's Picasso, so he's got a lot of prominent works, but this one specifically is expressing the human cost of war and the author's asking whether the value of that painting should be abrogated by the fact that Picasso did these other things. There's this weird quote, so the author says, quote, Green notes that even without such overt cues, it's very difficult to get a pure reading of an established artist's work, end quote. And specifically, it's talking about getting a reading of the artist's work based on the personality and what the person is. So what is the, what are the reflections of the person in the artist's work and how does that affect your ability to appreciate or worship an artist or whatever? I mean, I don't recommend worshiping anything, but the questions that are offered by Green, again, the curator, Green, are... And these are questions that you ask yourself when you're trying to determine whether you should be supportive of this art or not. The questions are, is the work a collaborative effort? Because you don't want it to bleed over. I, it gets so ridiculous because it's like, okay, you don't want it to bleed over to somebody who's just collaborating, but they're collaborating with this horrible person, so maybe it should. It gets so stupid. Does the work reflect the value system of the offender? Uh, I don't... We'll get to that. Are we to apply the same standard to the work of scientists whose conduct is similarly offensive? Good 
good question. Who suffers when the offender's work remains accessible? Who suffers when the offender's work is erased? Who reaps the reward of our continued attention? So those are more utilitarian, I guess, questions. The fact that we ask these questions at all is really concerning when it comes to our values today. Because, again, this is, I mean, whatever your take on the particular piece of art or the particular conduct of this particular person, there are ethical standards that we're talking about here that are being just battered with these kinds of concepts. So number one, the question is, okay, there's a piece of work of artwork that's up. The piece of artwork is expressing something that is morally deleterious or bad or whatever. So the answer would be, okay, do we deplatform this kind of an, this kind of art, whatever other virtues we might see in it? And we have to get to that too. It's just, okay, what does merit actually mean? But do we deplatform this art or outright censor it because we think that it's going to have these negative effects that we're talking about? How are those measured? How do we decide that a person's freedom to engage with art in whatever way they see fit or to be interested in a particular kind of art or if they go to a particular art gallery, whether they're going to stumble upon this particular artwork, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide how those things are determined? So on the face of it, there is an issue when it comes to censorship. I mean, I'm guessing that none of the people involved here would explicitly say we need to ban the art by this particular artist, but that's because it'd be ridiculous and they can't quite say that kind of a thing. When it comes to art, they have to give it more space than just pure political speech or something like that because it's more complex. There are more things going on. But if it, if it was less complex, they would just be saying, ah, get rid of it. No, let's, let's stop it. We shouldn't have it. The first front issue is censorship in general. They're trying to say that these artists are less valuable, not because the technique was bad or because the subject matter is not interesting or because there's no creativity or doesn't have an importance in the function of art history and everywhere that human beings have been when it comes to art, but merely because of the fact that they did something else and it could be either reflected in or you could be supporting this kind of a terrible thing in some way. You know, it could be a Harvey Weinstein kind of argument where it's fine, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon made <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, but Harvey Weinstein benefited from it. So if you like Goodwill Hunting, you are benefiting Harvey Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein allegedly did a whole bunch of terrible things. So therefore you're doing a bunch of terrible things. This is so reflective of the second category of the issues that come out of this when it comes to this black-white thinking, this in-group, out-group tribalism that is exactly the thing that we're try- we've been trying to get rid of for, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years trying to get over this tribalism. But this is reinserting it and saying that, okay, well, we can't separate a person into a complex set of nuanced propositions and ideas and inclinations and disinclinations and positives and negatives. We have to take them as an entire single package. And if anything in that package is something we don't like, we have to discard everything. Not just them as a person, like, uh, it's not like I'm just not going to hang out with them now because they're terrible people, but anything that they could have created or anything they could have been associated with or anybody they could have been associated with. Now we have to look at all those things with suspicion, if not just outright reject them 100%. Again, this is reflective of that in-group, out-group tribalism that is the thing that we are trying desperately to remove, to excise from the human psyche. Not only that, but it also reflects this whole idea of, this is the third one, is the idea of identity over merit. So it's not a question of what is the merit, it's primarily a question of what's the identity, which either overshadows 
the merit or makes merit irrelevant or becomes the only category of merit <laughs> that whatever your identity equals merit. So you see this in in film and music. You know, every award season we run into it where there be these discussions about. I just read one where Olivia Wilde was talking about Greta Gerwig, and they don't go into okay. Here are the reasons that the films that were, or in this case, the directors who were nominated for the Best Director Award, Academy Award. They don't say okay. These are all the reasons because Greta Gerwig did these this thing and that thing and the other thing way better than this movie. Way better than way better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Greta Gerwig did all these things with Little Women as a director, so therefore she's the one who should be getting the nomination instead of Quentin Tarantino. It's just that uh, there aren't enough women here, so therefore this woman should be in. And I don't have any argument or interest in demonstrating why this woman deserved more than all these other people or any one of these other people. And it's not just her, but any other woman who happened to make a movie this year that somebody could make a reasonable case or something like that. And obviously, they might be able to make a legitimate case for that. They might be able to make an argument that suggests that these here are some shared criteria that I'm going to use, you know, working with actors, the look of the film, the feel of the film, the pacing, the writing, and how the writing was used, the dialogue and all that. I think all these creative contributions by the director are better in this particular case, in the case of Greta Gerwig with Little Women, than they are for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino. That could absolutely be the case. But they don't even make the argument. They don't even have an interest in the argument. It's really just woman, man, identity, leave it at that. And the same thing happens when it comes to race or transgenderism or anything like that. Or just, we just need to plug the people who have the proper identity in and leave it on those terms and we don't care as much or care at all when it comes to all of the other things that should be criteria for a meritorious film or music or whatever. So that's the third big issue that's implicated here. So it's like, you know, if you have a plumber and and the plumber comes in, does the work, you find out later that the plumber used the N-word in third grade. So then you're like, oh, well, you know, I feel like the toilet actually wasn't level. That would be an absolute obvious absurdity. So it's just a matter of the, the fact that these things are more complex and people like to claim that it's so subjective about, you know, which art is better than which other art is like somebody, I think Transformers is the greatest movie of all time. So therefore it must be because everything's perfectly relative and we just leave it at that. Again, we talked about in the Meat Eaters Case for Veganism episode, we talk about philosophical zeroing where you just say nothing matters, nothing means anything, so I win. <laughs> it's it's that type of a thing. Obviously there are criteria that are reasonable to agree upon and then objectively apply those criteria so we're not being completely biased about what should win or not win just based on my own subjective feelings about things. But it's, it is such a reductive, just regressive way to look at the way things function. You know, it's like we brought up the Bible earlier. So in the Bible in the New Testament, uh, not even to go to the Old Testament, the New Testament, it, there are verses about like taking no thought for the morrow, which could be a dangerous concept. <laughs> uh, women should keep quiet and can't teach men. That's pretty bad concept. If you marry a divorced woman, that it's automatically committing adultery. These are all dangerous concepts that it would be fine to have excised from your worldview, even if you love the Bible and you read it all the time and you're trying to figure out wisdom to take from it. Does that then mean that love thy neighbor is a bad idea? Is something we should not follow? We should reject that idea too? Any reasonable person would say that you can take good things, just like with family and friends, you take good things that are positive and you can overlook or do what you can about the bad things. So people are nuanced, people are have positives and negatives, and you don't just go around executing anybody who doesn't live up to the perfect standard that you have set in your head for everybody else, but of course not for yourself. So it's ridiculous to have 
these kinds of standards. But the other idea is this. This is explicitly attempting to destroy the idea of nuance. Like I talked about the black and white kind of thinking. So if I watch a Matthew Broderick movie, that does not mean that I'm attracted to Sarah Jessica Parker. That's not what that means. It, those things don't equal. You're not downloading everything about a given person just because you enjoy something that they're in or something that they're associated with. You get to decide what you support and what you don't support. It's this whole groupthink nonsense. We can't think in these kinds of terms. There have to be gray areas because that's how the universe works. That's how reality works. And we aren't all our own little god narcissists that we get to say what the entire universe is like by virtue of how we feel at any given moment. Just like if I read Dostoevsky, I'm not advocating the murder of landladies who are annoying. I'm not doing that. We went from this, the timeless wisdom that everybody has heard of nobody's perfect to everybody better be perfect or they're going to get canceled. And this is just the kind of thing, you know, every time you're putting identity over merit, it's out of every authoritarian playbook. It's just, who are you by my own subjective estimation? And that determines the merit of what you do, of everything that comes out of you. We need less narcissism. <laughs> this is just more the postmodernist. You have your truth and I have my truth. It's the truth. And we're trying to find it. That used to be the ethic, that there's a truth out there and we're trying to find it together by establishing shared principles and shared values. And now we're just tearing it all back down so we go back to just subjective tribalism and it's just whoever has the might is going to win so anyway what there are way too many toxic concepts that come out of this idea of judging somebody's art or somebody's product by proxy so just substituting the person and their personality and whatever terrible thing they ever did or whatever positive thing they ever did and substituting that for the actual merit of the thing of the product itself and what are the characteristics that make it good or make it bad or or make it work or not work. Again, in the artistic world, it's easier because there it's a complex thing, so you get to say, no, it's more subjective, so then I can do that. In any other context where it's something that has to make sense, <laughs> where it's something where everybody can say, obviously there's a shared ethic to like how a road functions or something like that, you can't do this at all, and that should make everybody extremely weary of just dragging this thing out, because it's always going to come down to, it's going to leave so much space for all this in political and personal and emotional bias instead of trying to figure out what's what's best and what's not. So anyway, that's art versus the artist, hate and love, mutually or distinctly. <laughs> And I just wanted to discuss this issue because it drives me crazy every time it comes up where people are trying to just extend and extend and extend this tribalist groupthink and punish people on that basis. You really shouldn't be doing that. They already tried that. It was called the 20th century. So please, can we stop doing that? Okay, this is The Last Coffee House. I will see you on the next one. Okay, bye.